I'm Sharon Brett Kelly with part two of our story on slave picked tomatoes. I've got two cans of tomatoes in front of me that I bought from the supermarket. One is a New Zealand brand with Hawke's Bay tomatoes that cost $2.30. The other is home brand with Italian tomatoes and that cost 90 cents. Why are the imported ones so much cheaper? And how can we be sure that these tomatoes shipped here from the other side of the world aren't picked by African migrant slaves exploited by mafia-run operations? I wanted to know, how can I not buy Italian tomatoes that are made with slave labour? You know, what are New Zealand companies, so supermarkets, food bags, wholesalers... What are people doing to make sure that their tomatoes are sustainably sourced? And I couldn't get any answers to that question, almost no answers from anyone to that. When newsroom's Nikki Mando found out about slave-picked tomatoes in southern Italy, she could hardly believe it. It would never have occurred to me to think of Italy as being a place associated with really appalling labour conditions. Um... It's a European country. They've surely got really good laws into this sort of thing. And I've been to Italy, you know, and you've walked around villages and you haven't seen people in chains uh, moaning and, you know, people with whips. So you just didn't imagine that Italy would be a place where slavery was commonplace, it seemed. But what a Guardian investigation has revealed is that thousands of African migrants are living as modern-day slaves and the Italian mafia is making millions by exploiting them. They're trapped in Italy, living in slums and forced to work illegally to survive. The 2018 Global Slavery Index estimates there are 50,000 enslaved agricultural workers in Italy, but it says double that number are being forced to live in inhumane conditions, while hundreds of thousands are at risk of exploitation. There were just a number of different people that came to Italy for different reasons, um, and had really fought to get the you know the money they needed to be trafficked over, and then once obviously they got to Italy and they fell in the system of slavery, it was extremely devastating to hear. The Guardian's Ayo Awakoya worked with Tobias Jones on the year-long investigation into modern slavery in the vegetable fields of southern Italy. She told the detail yesterday about what she saw when she went undercover. When these migrants had to literally crouch down in some very flimsy dungarees that just weren't protective in the slightest... And they had these kind of small orange knives um, that were just very sharp and it was just so easy to just cut your hand or so easy to slice yourself. The exploitation in the fields is no secret, but it's what happens after the tomatoes leave the farms and how they end up on the supermarket shelves, the so-called supply chain, that's a mystery. Yeah, it's a really tough thing to kind of navigate, just mainly because the supply chain is so opaque it's really hard to figure out where it's been compromised obviously when you go to the sites of exploitation and then you're trying to figure out exactly what particular um, suppliers the tomatoes go to it's extremely difficult to figure out but Nikki Mando tried to give it a go here and this is important because as she figured out based on Nielsen's statistics we're buying 50 to 20 million cans of Italian tomatoes or 6 to 8000 tons of the stuff every year 
it was weird because my son randomly sent me this article from The Guardian and I read it and I was shocked and then in a way you don't do anything about it. And then I was talking to somebody in the finance sector, you know, something completely random and we got on to talking about tomatoes and I remembered the Guardian story and I thought, why aren't I writing about this story? Why am I reading it in my spare time and being shocked and not then putting my journalism hat on and going, what's going on in New Zealand? Because there are other products where you do think about it. Eggs, I worry about the hens and pork and really cheap clothes, I worry about slavery and stuff coming maybe from some countries in Southeast Asia. I might worry about coconut from the Philippines if that was really cheap. So what, what exactly did you want to find out? I got from the Guardian article all the basics I could see it was happening. You know, I was absolutely convinced that it was happening. But then I wanted, exactly like you, I wanted to know, how can I not buy Italian tomatoes that are made with slave labour? So it was that supply side in New Zealand. And I was really shocked that I couldn't get any answers to that question almost no answers from anyone to that so what how did you go about trying to find out I just got in touch with everybody uh, so by phone or email some of them by phone some I, I emailed everybody saying I want to talk to someone so mm. I probably emailed a dozen people from Countdown and Foodstuffs which owns New World and Pack and Save and the importers I searched who imports tin tomatoes then I got in touch with the food the major food bags um, I got in touch with wholesalers and basically I said I want to talk to somebody about tin tomatoes I want to hear about what your supply chains are like and how you verify them because one of the shocking things in the uh, the Guardian article, one of the almost the most shocking thing was that most of these farms are verified, so they're certified as having um, good labour practices. But because the certification is paid for by the farmer and not by anybody else, like the supermarket, the farmer just goes, oh, well, you know, I have really, really fabulous labour conditions in an Italian accent, mm. and he signs it off. So he ticks the box, or it's controlled by the mafia, and the certification person is too scared to not tick the box. Here's an excerpt from The Guardian's story describing what happens. Many farms are so remote that it is hard to launch a raid or surprise inspection. We spoke to one volunteer medic working in the fields in Sicily who says that to avoid any surprises, big farms have lookouts on mopeds at the ends of very long tracks. Some inspectors can be paid off, and those who do their job with integrity have been threatened with violence. So that they are not picking up something like 99% of these certifications are seen as bogus on on these slavery farms. And and the thing that really struck me from talking to Io was that it's so difficult to trace these tomatoes back. I mean, I thought there'd be a farm, a factory and the supermarket. Mm. But no, because there are so many steps in that process, it is really, really difficult to find out exactly where that tomato came from. There are so many different processes in from the site of exploitation to the supermarket shelves. Um, you know, from uh, washing the tomatoes to getting it processed, to getting it tinned, to getting it labelled. They go through several different companies and several different manufacturers. So unless you kind of 
physically traced it back and followed a lot of vans and, you know, were on the road and trying to piece to all of this together, it would be really difficult to achieve. And like you said before, there'd be danger aspect to it because if you got caught, you know, there's a real, very real chance you could be hurt or worse. So there's a lot to risk in tracing up the supply chain in this instance. You might have a wholesaler or a shipper and... And, yeah, they went to try and find some of these companies and they were a random office in the middle of, you know, some random city and they didn't have any labelling. And, and when they went to talk to the people in these random offices, they wouldn't say where they were supplied from, which farms were supplying them. So they tried quite hard to get hold of information and they couldn't. That's people on the ground in Italy. So how are our supermarkets ever going to be able to get um, really strong certification on a really cheap product. What kind of response did you get from them? It was astonishing. So I asked them all if I could talk to someone. The responses that I did get, and quite a few did respond, but they sent me a statement. So they said, this is a statement attributable to X, Y, Z. It might be the managing director or it might be the sustainability head or something like that. And they all basically said, we have... Um, strong and stringent supplier requirements. We send them a piece of paper and we don't buy from them until they send us back another piece of paper which has been signed to say that their supply chain is clean. And then I all went back and I said, well, how are you verifying that? You know, this article, which I've sent them all, mm. this article says that these certification um, processes are shonky. How are you making sure for your own good and that of your customers that your certification that you have is is valid? And nobody could tell me. Nobody had processes which would allow them to look further than the piece of paper that had been signed by the supplier to say, my supply chain is clean. So, so was it that they couldn't tell you or they didn't want to tell you? I think they couldn't tell me. I think, um, you know, the fact that they sent me a bland statement, I think means that they don't know. When the article was published, was there any more response about how you wrote that article? I got some calls from either public relations people or um, public relations people for the companies. I had probably three responses. Um, two people were not happy that their names were used in association with the article. Um, and one person said that they were very disappointed that I had written this article. But nobody said that the article was wrong or that I'd reported anything wrong. Um, they just said, look, we sent you our statement which said how splendid we were. And, you know, and then you sort of cast aspersions on our good name. And I wasn't casting aspersions. I was just shocked that they didn't know. Um, it's interesting. So there are two major supermarket chains in New Zealand. There's um, Countdown is owned by Woolworths, which is owned by Woolworths Australia. And there's Foodstuffs, which is Pack and Save. Which is New, New Zealand World, owned. Which is New Zealand yeah. owned. So in the beginning of this year, the Australians passed the Modern Slavery Act, now, the Modern Slavery Act is aimed at big companies who deal with Australia. New laws will come into effect requiring big businesses in Australia to assess and report on the use of modern slavery in their operations and supply chains. We're talking forced labour, child labour, human trafficking in areas like manufacturing and food production. It affects 40 million people worldwide. So 
Countdown would be caught by that. Woolworths would be caught by that. And they, in July last year, have started that process. So they've started a process where they are trying to find out where their um, goods come from because I suspect, well, I know because it says in the statement that we are an Australian company, we need to report on our supply chain for this um, Modern Slavery Act. And that's really cool. They don't need to report until... December next year, so that's December 2020, but it's a start. Mm. You know, they are starting to look because they are a big Australian company. In New Zealand, for example, the UK has had an anti-slavery act since 2015, and Air New Zealand, because it goes to the UK and is, you know, has some sort of link with them, they have a, now an anti-slavery reporting system, and their aim is to have 100% supply chain transparency by 2020. So in five years, it's taken Air New Zealand five years to, if they do get it by next year, to get supply chain transparency. So it looks like it's quite a long process, even when you are doing the best you can because you've got a, you know, legislation up your ass to tell you've got to do it. What does that mean? Uh, you know, for Air New Zealand, what does that mean? Does that mean everything that they source... Has, they have to know that it came from a place that wasn't using slave labour. My understanding of the Australian legislation is they have to have looked at the country and the supplier. Businesses over 100 million turnover globally, if they're operating in Australia, have got to put in a modern slavery statement to show that they've checked their supply chain to see where the risk areas are, to see if it's there. And if they find slaves, they've got to be involved in remediating them, but then also report in the modern slavery statement they have to do every year. In their statement, they have to say, what are you doing to mitigate the risks of that product, country, whatever it is. So in the case of Air New Zealand, presumably a tomato that goes onto your, you know, into your mm. spaghetti bolognese on the plane, they need to know where the product is sourced from. And already someone like um, Ceres Organics, they have organic certification, but what they told me was that organic certification has quite stringent human rights or certification as well. So he thought that his tomatoes were not using slave labour. He said that they were 100% machine-picked, mm. and that's already a good thing. That's obviously um, not guaranteed, but you know he was pretty sure that if you're picking them by machines and you've got this organic certification and you've got the fair trade-type certification going into the farms where he gets his tomatoes, he's saying that the supermarkets buy on price. I'm just checking that and I'm going online to one supermarket chain and I'm just looking now, there are about 24 choices and the majority of cans I can see are tomatoes from Italy and there are no Sarah's cans here. So I'm just going to go online to another supermarket. I'm searching now for tin tomatoes, I'm typing that in. And it gives me 18 choices. And again, the cheapest I can see here is home brand Italian for 75 cents. Ceres is the most expensive, and that's $1.69. So he's going, how do I, when a supermarket is really only interested in buying on price, or mostly interested in buying on price, I can't get my products into the supermarket. There is a way of getting a product that you know is not being picked with modern slavery, I think you buy a what is product, I 
and they're instead of paying 75 cents for a really cheap tin of tomatoes or 99 cents you're paying two dollars or 229 it's yeah. a really different amount of money so, i mean there's nothing on the labeling that it would say tomatoes from italy but that's it no you can't i don't know whether in new zealand people mind that much about fair trade it's not a big thing fair trade in New Zealand. But do you think people in New Zealand would be aware that something that you're buying is, is made by slave labour? I mean, that's no. the thing. I think it's the fact that we don't know, isn't it? And it is. It's so far away and so out of sight. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Lots of people I've spoken to, either while I was, you know, friends and family, and I've said, did you know? Have you, has it ever occurred to you? And, and no, it had never occurred to me. Slavery in the modern age is not about physical chains. It's less visible and could affect up to 16 million people in corporate supply chains. Two thirds of those experiencing forced labour are in the Asia Pacific region. They work in factories, in fields, on construction sites and in restaurants. But companies can take action by adopting best practice approaches in workplaces, by empowering workers, particularly women, to speak out and by encouraging better protections through global legislation. What is modern slavery? It's not chains and it's not being owned by somebody. No. Um, I, there was a really good definition which was in the Guardian story. Basically it said there are few factors on which modern slavery thrives. Vulnerability, discrimination and a lack of the rule of law. And so these um, pickers are intensely vulnerable. They've paid a trafficker. So they normally owe money to a trafficker or they owe money to relatives back and, and wherever they came from. They are illegal, so they've got no... If something happens to them, they can't go to the police. They're in these very remote settlements where there are, you know, there's not proper health care, there's not proper um, housing. Um, they're not seen as humans. So that discrimination mm. thing, and Io talked about that in when you talk to her, you know, that... When she was pretending to be a migrant, people didn't see her as a human being like they were. And that's a very strong part of that slavery thing. Mm. And then the lack of the rule of law. These, a lot of these places are ruled by the mafia. And even when they're not, you can't go to the police because you're an illegal immigrant. So those three things, you don't need whips and chains and um, ownership. They really have no power and no rights um, no, when the, these these workers, and that's I think modern that's slavery. the definition. So Australia has a modern slavery act just introduced at the beginning of this year. What what about New Zealand? No, and as far as I can see, there's no, you know, there are very vague talks of it. Kiwi business leaders are warning the country's reputation is at risk if employers don't do more to combat modern day slavery. The Immigration Minister says one possible option is a new law that forces companies to ensure people aren't being exploited to make their products. But I can't see it anywhere as being, even on the, on the cards, a, a modern slavery act in, in New Zealand. It may be that they're looking at Australia in the way that we do. We mm. kind of look at an Australian act and we see how it goes. And if it seems to be a good thing, at some stage we might introduce one in the future. Yeah. But I really hope we do, because I think in the way that... Um, Countdown is having to look at its supply chain at some stage, at least in the future. Foodstuffs is not, and mm. they have a sustainability report, and it's a 20 
eight pages long, and mostly it talks about workers in New Zealand. It, uh, oh, it talks about environmental and that sort of thing. It has two lines about its supply chain wow. and making sure that its supply chain is 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 ethical in a, a human rights perspective. Two lines. two lines out of a 28-page report. We have to say about the supermarkets in New Zealand, nobody is saying that their products are picked by modern slavery. But we're saying that we really cannot be sure that they're not. Yeah. And when you look at a tonne of tomatoes that costs 75 cents or 99 cents, and you look at what has to go into it, so it's got to be planted, it's got to be weeded, it's got to be sprayed probably, it's got to be picked, it's then got to be transported to... Um, a place where it's they're going to be washed, then they're going to be processed, and all the transport, um, the tins are going to be labelled. Then they've got to be transported to a ship, and they've got to be put on a ship, and they've got to be taken to New Zealand. They've got to be taken off a ship. They probably go through a um, a third party um, buyer in New Zealand. Then they've got to be taken to the supermarket, put on a shelf, and somebody has to sell them. And just even if you have no idea about the supply chain, you have to question: Is it possible to have all those steps um, and have a, a product that you can sell for 99 cents. That's The Detail. I'm Sharon Brett-Kelly. The Detail is brought to you by newsroom.co.nz, made possible by the RNZ NZ On Air Innovation Fund. Hit the subscribe button to stay across the detail every day. If you're on Apple, please leave a rating as it helps other listeners find us. This episode was engineered by Blair Stagpool and produced by Alexia Russell. Ka nui tēnei.